0: The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.
1: Good morning or good afternoon, as the case might be. Welcome to America's Web Radio, and it's time for one of our favorite shows, Remembering Desert Shield and Desert Storm. But before we start the show with um, Lieutenant Colonel Retired Phil Forsberg, we're, we we uh, always do a moment of silence to remember our veterans, those that served in Desert Shield and Desert Storm, as well those, as those that have served any and everywhere, as well as the ones that are serving today. And we've just come through Veterans Day, and let's just have a moment of prayer for everybody that has served and we'll be back with you right after this And we do want to uh, pray for our troops, no matter where they're located, and uh, those that are on active duty and those that have served their country, and we do appreciate them and we did celebrate Veterans Day. And uh, all of you that have served, thank you for your service, and uh, that certainly goes for you too. Uh, Colonel Farsberger. Right now we're going to do one other thing that we always do that I always love and it sort of gets that heart to beating. I know all about that old man stuff. And uh, Colonel Forsberg, how are you doing today?
2: I'm well, sir. And yourself?
1: I'm doing fine. Uh, at my age, whenever I get up and I'm vertical, I'm a happy camper. And uh, started out about uh, 5 o'clock this morning and uh, still making it. So I guess all signs are good for A OK for today. And, uh, we've got, we're going to talk about and uh, remember Desert Shield and Desert Storm. And, you know, it's, uh, during Veterans Day and during all of that last week, basically, we, uh, we talked to a lot of folks and, uh, you know, one, people are still getting, uh, Memorial Day and Veterans Day confused and, uh, So on the station, we tried to straighten that out, that uh, Memorial Day is for those that have given the the ultimate sacrifice to give us a free world, or give us a free country. And Veterans Day is in celebration of any and everyone that served. And it doesn't matter where or how, but if they serve their country, uh, they're considered veterans, and... They, uh, you know, if they're alive, we thank them for their service. And um, it's always, uh, you know, we start out and we talk about this, but, you know, if you're in an airport or no matter where you are and you see a veteran, just thank he or she for their service. And, you know, they may be wearing uh, some kind of identification as to the fact that they are veterans or if you see someone that's on active duty thank them for their service and they and correct me uh, Phil, if I'm wrong but they, you know they have they and their family have sacrificed to protect us and to give us the greatest country in the world and they're still doing it and uh, I salute our voluntary military every chance i get it's uh our young folks that are volunteering to go in or the cream of the crop and they know what it means to sign that contract and uh, we've got the best of the best so with that being said let's get on with the show and uh, i'm always amazed at the number of people even though desert shield and desert storm was only 30 years ago, plus one, or thereabouts. But people have already forgotten about it. They remember Vietnam, they remember Korea, and certainly World War War II, what's left of it. But um, they've already forgotten the folks that served in Desert Shield and Desert Storm. Do you find this to be true as well, Phil?
2: Well, uh... <clears throat> you know, it doesn't come up very often, uh, you know, uh, because we've had, uh, quite a bit of conflict since then, uh, for, for folks to get their, uh, combat patches. Um, you know, there, uh, the people have come to refer to Desert Shield Desert Store as, you know, the Gulf War or the first Gulf War. Um, so. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't take any offense if, if they don't remember. If they want to know about it, I'll certainly tell them. If not, uh, you know, I uh, just leave it alone. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I enjoy helping you, uh, keep the, keep the history alive. But, uh, you know, me personally, I don't, I don't, uh, often want to rehash things. Uh, we, you know, we did a, we did a fine job, um, and there have been folks that, uh, take exception to what we did at this point. Uh, there's not much I could do. Uh, we, we did our duty. Uh, we followed the, uh, legal orders that we were given and, uh, when we come home. But I'll, I'll certainly help folks remember historically. It's important to remember. It's important to remember. Where we came from, so we can figure out where we're going. Um, we don't repeat mistakes from the past. And I guess you could say they were mistakes, uh, Desert Storm. We, you know, in the Army, we always called them lessons learned instead of mistakes.
1: <laughs> and that's quite a truth, actually. You know, I learned a lesson, um, a couple of weeks ago. I went to the, uh, induction ceremony at, uh, in uh, columbus georgia for the georgia military veterans hall of fame and i sat across from a very i mean very young lieutenant colonel i would say he's on on the well he hadn't made 30 yet at any rate and uh next to him was a um, a captain uh both in the army and uh you know since I was in the uh the dress uniform of the army has changed considerably oh, yeah. and i was i was curious too and and a lot of folks don't know this and uh and it's changed i <laughs> i did the second take on their uniforms and their uh ribbons and uh you know we always had uh, the little one-inch bar, or what—I don't know that it was one inch—but and it was a pin-on type thing. But now they've got, uh, instead of that, your, your nomenclature for where you served is a—it's sort of a hanging-down ribbon, which I didn't realize that they had changed all that. Hmm. Were you aware of that?
2: Uh, well. You know, I may not be up to date either, but, uh, we, uh, we went to, you know, we went to, a, a, a blue uniform or back to a blue uniform for right. our, uh, for our dress uniform, uh, class A, if you will.
0: Yes, sir. And,
2: <clears throat> the, and we, you know, changed it so there was nothing to be sewn onto it. And, uh, so consequently, uh, where we would have sewn on a combat patch, uh, we didn't have that opportunity, so they, they, uh, they made these metal badges, uh, like an enamel off metal badges with pins, um, that would, uh, fit here, uh, on your pocket. And, uh, I was, <clears throat> I had one of those, uh, for my combat unit, uh, in fact, were in the development stage, developing these, and uh, uh, my office happened to be um, adjacent to the uh, Institute of Heraldry for the Army. Uh, well, it's actually, the Army owns the Institute of Heraldry, but it, it does heraldry for for all the services, and all federal agencies, actually, and uh, they, uh, it was, uh, the... the uh, director of the Institute of Air was a retired Marine uh, Colonel, uh Colonel Cugno, great guy. And uh many man, uh <clears throat> so when the uh um, when the first little combat patch type pin for the uh uh five two five military intelligence brigade uh airborne uh came out uh he made a gift uh and gave me one of the proofs for my own so uh, I had it basically before anybody else uh, did, and uh, um, I still have it, and uh, I'm. Uh, it's a it's a very dear possession to me.
1: Oh, I would think but so.
2: Not sure about what you're talking about. Uh, a hang down type of ribbon, right? Was well, it enamel? Was it metal on enamel?
1: No, it, it was very similar to the. You know what? You you're, you're obviously very. The battle ribbons are. Uh, Mm-hmm. That everybody wore across their chest in rows and all this.
2: Yeah, and, yeah, out. Yeah,
1: so. instead of like, well, it looks similar, very similar to that, but it hang, they have a little <laughs> rack that they hang off of, and that's part of the new uniform mm-hmm. that attaches to. Uh, I'm not sure how it attaches actually, uh, but it's totally different from what what i was familiar with
2: i know uh, i'll be on the lookout for that
1: yeah it's, it's uh totally you know like you said for a class a and uh uh yeah it, it just i kept looking at it and you know it, <laughs> as slow as i am i realized what it was but it had changed and i asked the young man you know, if uh, the two officers, when that had changed, and they didn't know. They were, they were too too young to know. But
2: it is different. It had always been that way.
1: Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so uh, we uh, we happened to talk. Uh, the captain happened to say the wrong two words, and that was that he had graduated from Texas Tech. So that. You know, I had to go off on a tangent about that for a few minutes that, uh, you know, he remembered some of the things that, uh, you know, were part of my life growing up in Lubbock. And uh, we uh, we finally honored ourselves this past uh, weekend with uh, beating Iowa State. We did a good job of that after we've gotten slaughtered the week before. But anyway, so much for football and back to, um, let me ask, uh, and that's, uh, I think, a good question. How easy was it, and, you know, there's some extreme loyalists, alumni. when you were in Desert Shield and Desert Storm, how difficult with the electronics and the technology today was it uh, that... Folks could keep up with their football teams and even watch their games once in a while.
2: We had, I guess, what you probably would call a, at the time, a big screen TV that we had in our, uh, in our little uh, orderly room. Um, our headquarters was a <clears throat> was a shell of a, a concrete building that had no guts put in it yet, had no doors or windows on it, but they had just poured this concrete shell of a building and and we had some rooms in and, uh, one of them was our orderly room. We had electricity, I can't remember if it was from generators or if it had been tapped into what they call shore power. But, um, and we had cable television. I remember we had CNN, which was, you know, everybody's news source at the time. And, uh, and I do recall, uh, watching the Super Bowl, uh, and, uh, I believe the Giants won the Super Bowl in, uh, January of 91, or maybe it was February of 91. Um, I wasn't particularly a Giants fan, but, uh, I thought it was, that was a pretty good game. Uh, so, you know, uh, Stars and Stripes, uh, would deliver their papers to us. We could keep up with certain things that way. Uh, so we did. We actually watched some of the war on on CNN to see uh, what all they were saying about what we were doing. It was quite interesting. You
1: know, when did uh, Stars and Stripes? A lot of folks uh, that haven't served uh, probably are not really familiar with it. When was that World War II that it started, or was that before World War II? Um.
2: You know, I, I think they must have had it in World War II, but I, I don't know about before then. Uh, um, it, it's, uh, but it was, it was a good source of information. You know, of course, you know, you're, you're going to get the Department of Defense party line on it. Um, <laughs> they'll be, take everything with a, you know, grain of salt. Understand it's maybe not, everything's not maybe as, uh, wonderful as they're portraying. Um, but uh, we, uh, we did enjoy having that. Um, and uh, um, we, uh, we also enjoyed, uh, you know, the, the radio, uh, Armed Forces Radio. We uh, were there. We we'll listened to that a little bit. I enjoyed listening to uh, the voice of peace from Baghdad. Uh, I could only receive on my, uh, my ADF, uh, radio in my aircraft, uh, while I was out flying missions. Back in our cantonment area, our, our folks, uh, put a, uh, a jammer on so you wouldn't hear it. But when I got closer over to Kuwait City where, uh, the voice of peace from Baghdad was being broadcast, uh, uh, if I could listen to it. It was quite amusing. It was mm-hmm. their version of, uh, Tokyo Rose, if you will, uh, <laughs> extremely ineffective.
1: You know, we were talking about the uh, Stars and Stripes. I remember I was quite a uh, Mash fan, as so many others are or were. But I remember a couple of episodes where, oh, we made Stars and Stripes, or you know, they they had it in Korea. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know why, but I assumed that it had started in. Uh, during World War II and uh maybe it started before then I'll have to look that up but
2: according to my research here now on Al Gore's amazing internet it was found <laughs> 1861
1: it started in
2: 1861
1: yep wow <laughs> pre-Civil War that's incredible
2: no it was Civil War well Civil War
1: 1861, yeah
2: 1861 soldiers from some Illinois infantry regiments uh put it together.
1: Huh. Well, and did they deliver only to the Union side?
2: <laughs> I suppose.
1: Interesting. 1861. You'd, uh, I'd have never guessed that in a million years. And uh, probably would have argued with somebody if if they said, oh, it started uh, during the Civil War. But that, that what a history. And, uh, you know, it was a very... In I guess all of the wars after that, it was looked to for information as well as entertainment, and uh, it was it was big time and interesting. And I wonder I wonder how they judged how many copies they ought to print of it.
2: <laughs> I guess it has pretty good circulation.
1: Yeah. They
2: overseas. I don't remember ever seeing it stateside.
1: No? Uh, but that that's fascinating and you know the military, it's sort of like I I guess I get a kick out of it or I respect the military for it and I can only address the army. I can't address and I, From what I understand, the Navy chow is fantastic. But the effort that goes into celebrating holidays and having the turkey or having the the right thing to celebrate the holidays, the military all always busts their chops to bring a little home to wherever you happen to be serving. And, uh,
2: yep. uh, regarding the Navy, you know, uh, it's always been legendary for me that... Uh, that the sailors aboard submarines take the best. And, uh, <clears throat> so I engaged a, uh, a friend of mine who uh, had served on the submarines. And, uh, he said, well, that's true, sort of. He said, when, when we leave, you know, we're all provisioned and, uh, our chow is really good, but longer we stay out <laughs> <laughs> and lack like, Provisioning uh, the worst, get so uh, enjoy those meals early.
1: The, the cooks have to become um, uh, creative, huh?
2: Yeah, yeah, resourceful with what they got.
1: Well, you know, and I, I must say, uh, you'd have to hog time me to get me on a submarine. I just, just the word makes me claustrophobic and uh, i don't i wouldn't care how good the chow was or how big the bottle was i'll pass just give me the open skies and the stars and uh
2: that's me in yep
1: <laughs> but you know it it is i do respect and i i don't know whether other militaries other countries uh take care of their Men like the United States tries to take care of their men, and uh, they they do a good job of it in many many cases. They might fail a little bit or they used to fail a little bit on uh, mail service, but I guess that's been mostly done away with with the internet
2: yeah my my time been uh, engaged uh, in combat operations. Uh, Predates the uh, Al Gore's creation of the internet.
1: <laughs> well, so you were waiting on that letter every three weeks, whether you needed it or not.
2: Yeah, and and mail call could be a very exhilarating time or a very uh, deflating time. Uh, was to always look just for something. Yeah, for
1: something. and uh, you on occasions you had uh, Karnak the Magnificent that would hold up the envelope next to his forehead and say I think this one is from your girlfriend the way it smells.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Well, uh, of course, at the time I I had a wife and for the record, no girlfriend. No girlfriend. The, uh, Yeah, it, the, uh, it, it was big morale boost, you know, to get mail and, and uh, to, to fail to get the soldiers their mail is, uh, nearly unforgivable.
1: Yeah, I, I think mail was almost more important than, uh, the pay line.
2: Yeah, well, especially since we didn't have a lot of opportunities to spend our money, um mail was more uh, what we would call propinquent than uh, than pay pay just went electronically anyway by that time uh, there wasn't anybody receiving their their pay get counted out for them
1: well as, as you were saying how important the mail was from family and friends or whoever uh and how uplifting it was! That's you can double or triple how big a downer it was when your name wasn't
2: called. Yeah, uh, it was you know it was a little depressing uh, to walk away empty uh, from mail call. So anybody out there that uh, knows of a, a serviceman overseas. Uh, that could use a letter. Um, it's, I guarantee it's appreciated.
1: Oh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, that's something else that uh, there was a lot of sharing that went on, uh, buddy sharing their letters with another buddy, you know. But we're going to take a break, and we'll be back right after this with uh, Lieutenant Colonel Retired. Phil Forsberg, and talking about Desert Shield and Desert Storm. We'll be right back.
2: Hi, this is Rocky Blair, former four-time Super Bowl champion with the Pittsburgh Steelers and Vietnam veteran. As a board member, I'd like to talk to you about Warriors to Citizen, a nonprofit organization that helps American heroes soldiers, police, fire, EMT, and their families recover from the psychological harm caused by career-induced stress. Over the last 20 years, broken relationships have been a major causal factor for the highest document divorce rate and resulting suicides in this population. This program, from Lawyers' to Citizen, is delivered free to families by professionals all whom served in uniform and understand the needs to be addressed. I ask for your support, so please go to our website, warriors2citizen.org, and find out how you can help, either by making a donation or sharing this information with an American hero that you may know. And thank you. Start taking back our country from the liberal wokes by voting locally for conservative Republicans.
0: You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we do
1: thank you for listening to Remembering Desert Shield and Desert Storm. And our host is Lieutenant Colonel Phil Forsberg, retired. But uh, Phil does a wonderful job. And, you know, this is, whether it's Desert Shield and Desert Storm, it's Remembering the Veterans and remembering those and their families that served and have given us the greatest country in the world. And uh, we not only should appreciate them, but appreciate their families and the support they've got. You know, (laughs) Phil, during the break I was thinking about what you said about uh, if you've got a friend in the military that's overseas, or no matter Actually, you can be serving right here and feel like you're 3,000 miles away. And, uh, I was just wondering, I wonder how many romances have started up and, and ended in marriage from, uh, some lady saying, I'm gonna write somebody in the military or I'm gonna start corresponding. And, uh, it goes past that. That would be an interesting, uh, I don't know how you'd ever find out, but it would be an interesting, in my opinion, to uh, find out where that's always gone, because there's always been some group or that will write to folks in the military, no matter where they are.
2: Yeah, we used to get, uh, in Desert Storm, we used to get something called Any Soldier Letters. Uh, and the, the, you, you could just reach into a box and, and pull out a, a letter or a card that was sent to any soldier...
1: And again, I, it would be interesting to address other countries and see what their civilians have done. But I, I think uh, a lot of our victories have been due to the support that we had from the civilians at home, and uh, whether it was cakes and cookies or whatever it might be. Uh, are that are that letter like you said for any anybody? And it uh, you always I would assume felt like it was written just for you.
2: Yeah, I still have it, uh, and uh, it's kind of a, an important uh, memento for me.
1: I think that's fantastic and a fantastic story.
2: So they I mean, could find find that little girl who wrote it and thank her
1: well if you got a name it might might be possible to do that you know and I I think that the moral of this story is whoever's listening be it a be it a teenager or a grandmother grandparent grandfather remember those that are serving today no matter where they are and uh, I'm sure there's a program that you can jump into. Yeah, let me ask, do you know if, uh, some of the, uh, service organizations have that kind of program as well?
2: Uh, I do not. However, uh, you know, here I'm thinking, you know, we're getting close to, uh, Thanksgiving holiday. And, uh, I know, uh, I have, um a veteran coming over. She's, she's a, a single mom and her daughter are going to come uh, because they're kind of alone and uh, they'll be coming to our house share Thanksgiving with us and uh, you know this is the kind of thing um, if you uh, if you live near any kind of military installation and um, you uh, would be inclined to uh, invite a service member to come uh, share Thanksgiving with you maybe somebody you can't make it home on leave uh you know the the thing to do would be to to contact the chaplain uh the chaplain's office on on your nearest military installation and and tell them that your home is available uh to host a soldier or sailor or marine airman uh whoever might uh you know be without uh the means to get home for the holiday. uh I know they tried to uh, when I was on active duty. The, the mess hall would do a fantastic job. But now at Thanksgiving, and, and one year I went and my family came with me, and we, we went to the mess hall for Thanksgiving to eat uh, with the soldiers there. Um, you know, it's just uh, it's just something that you can do to uh, to show your appreciation and and show some some love for these folks. That uh, they kind of feel alone this time
1: of year. Oh yeah, and I think I think what you're doing is so commendable, and that's uh, that's great of you and your wife. That's just super. And um, I, you know, here's the here's the thing about doing something for somebody else, and particularly doing something for that. Uh, Soldier, that's away from home, and you think, or you know, it's it's like uh, buying buying them the person uh, a drink or a cup of coffee or a meal at the airport or wherever, and you think, you know, they appreciate it. That that soldier appreciates it, but I guarantee you you'll appreciate it more. It'll make you feel so warm and tingly doing something for a service person that no matter how much they appreciate it, you'll appreciate the feeling that much more. And you will pat yourself on the head or the back for the rest of the day that you've done something for somebody else and you've done something for... a for a military person, or it could be a veteran, uh, but it makes you feel good. And I'm sure you, you all, after, after you entertain this lady and her child, no matter how good they feel, I'll bet you the rest of the day you'll feel better.
2: You know, I'm just doing it just to show her some love.
1: Yeah, uh, I think it's great. I think it's absolutely great. And, you know, more... I, I think this is probably from ignorance, but you you told us how to do it, and that's called a chaplain's office or whatever, and uh, I'm sure there are other organizations that will help fill that gap. I'm filling my Thanksgiving by uh, being with my son and my grandson and uh I'm looking forward to that. But you know, I think everybody uh should reach out and uh and appreciate those that are serving and and even those that have served. There are a lot of there are a lot of lonely veterans out there as well.
2: So well, you know, if you if you would want to find one of uh, a veteran and maybe extend this kind of uh uh, courtesy to a veteran, I would say, uh, probably the best way would be to contact your local, um, uh, Veterans Administration, uh, hospital and talk to a social worker there. I to speak to a social worker and just say, I'm, I'd like to make my home available, uh, for a veteran, uh, you know, who might be alone at this time of year.
1: Well, wow. it's so very important. And uh, I commend you for for doing what you all are doing. I and uh, not that I can give a lieutenant colonel an order by any stretch, but I would I would love to hear how it all turns out. Okay, sure. You know. And uh, do you know how old the uh, the lady is with the child?
2: Well, I would guess it's probably. Uh, Forty or so, hmm. her, uh, her daughter about fifteen, I
1: think. And which branch is? is she in the army or?
2: Uh, she's uh, she's out, uh, but she serves in combat in Iraq.
1: Ah, well, I think it's fantastic, and uh, happy Thanksgiving. I hope you all have a wonderful one, and you will be blessed many times for doing what you're doing. So, with that, how many, uh, and I don't know whether it just to be, I doubt that it would just be Thanksgiving, but uh, the organizations of those that served in Iraq, uh, do they have any special time that they generally get together or try to, or does that just depend on each company or platoon or whatever the situation?
2: yeah I'm, I'm not aware um, you know are, are you asking about like reunions or such
1: yeah basically
2: uh no, I'm not aware and, and uh no one's ever suggested a reunion uh for our organization um that that I know of I uh, hadn't been invited to any uh but you know we uh the so still keep in contact with each other. Um, it's a, you know, our our experience was uh, we we most of us that I was with we come in in peacetime and uh, served and one day they said you know we're going to go over to Iraq and of course we, we were wondering oh, are we going to um, to fight or what and you know we couldn't didn't really get an answer for a very long time. But, uh, well, you know, we came back. Uh, people told us good job. They had some parades, and uh, we were kind of done. Hmm. We so, <clears throat> we never really made much of a big deal about it. Um. So.
1: Uh, <laughs> well, that was better than uh, coming back from Nam.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, I had some, some friends or some folks that, you know, come to me that were, uh, that had served in Vietnam and some, some of them were kind of bitter, you know, that, that we were getting this treatment, uh, of, you know, parades and such. And, uh, you know, I, what, what can I say to them? I, you know, I didn't ask for a parade. I, all I asked was come home.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: And the sooner, the better.
2: Yes. By the way.
1: Well, uh, you know, there's uh, all sort of circumstances that we've learned, and that were political and uh, uh, monetary, and you could go on and on with the list that involved Vietnam and. Uh, It was the first conflict. Uh, And I I think one of the the major things that, from my standpoint, was the fact that our government did a very poor job of explaining Vietnam and why we were going there or what we were doing there. And, um, you know, it's sort of like going into Afghanistan in many ways in that uh, the French had failed in Vietnam, the Russians had failed in Afghanistan, and we didn't learn a thing on either front, that maybe there was a reason they failed, and um, so I I think the, when politics gets involved with the military, I, I feel that there's a disaster headed our way, and uh, that's sort of been proven out. But with that getting political, we still have the best system in the world. And uh, Vietnam worked out the way it worked out. And Afghanistan and the Middle East and uh, the work that you and many others did in Desert Storm and Desert Shield was still good work. And main and uh from my standpoint was certainly appreciated.
2: Yeah, I suppose the advantage we had in, in Desert Shield and Desert Storm was, you know, we had a conventional force on force uh engagement. And um, and that's the way we conducted it. And it was uh well you know, it was kind of a scrimmage for, uh, you know, what what we had been training for my whole military career was, you know, to to quote Slim Pickens and uh, Dr. Strangelove, uh, toe-to-toe with the Ruskies in nuclear combat. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, the, you know, Iraq had, uh, Soviet equipment and Soviet doctrine and Soviet tactics and, uh, Soviet advisors. And, um, they arrayed themselves in their, uh, Soviet battle array, uh, and of course we mapped them all out and then, uh, uh, we reduced them in detail, to use a military term. Uh, we 39 combat divisions and rendered 39 of their 41 combat divisions combat in effect within a matter of 100 hours of ground combat. And uh, if you'll sit up and take notice you'll see that uh, very shortly after that the Soviet Union uh, stacked arms and said well, we're not going to be the Soviet Union anymore. And I think that was probably the real victory. Right.
1: Absolutely. We're going to take our final break, and we'll be back with Lieutenant Colonel Retired Phil Scoresberg right after this message.
2: If you have lost a loved one and were left with a firearms collection and are not sure how to dispose of them safely, or you may have firearms you no longer want, this message is for you. I am a licensed FFL firearms dealer in the state of Florida, specializing in estate firearm purchases. It is very important that all firearm transactions be handled according
0: to state and federal laws. You can contact me for information at Service
2: at Outlook.com, or you can call or text me at 407-921-8100-247 and ask for James. Again, for information contact me at Service at Outlook.com, or call or text me at
0: 407-921-8100. All communications are strictly confidential
1: and we're back with uh, lieutenant colonel retired phil forestberg and uh we're as always on monday afternoons we're talking about desert shield and desert storm and uh it would be my wish that as we all sit around the thanksgiving table next week that we remember our veterans and You know, Thanksgiving goes back to almost day one of the United States in many ways. And they were thankful for what they had accomplished in gaining our freedom. And we should all be thankful as well and be thankful for the men and women that have kept us safe and kept our light of freedom glowing. And, again, I, I would like to thank you, Phil, for your service and uh, certainly appreciate it and, and uh, your family while you were deployed.
2: Well, uh, you know, to those who say to me, thank you for your service, I usually try to tell them thank you for my paycheck. And I know that, uh, you know, it came, it came out of the taxes that the American people paid. And I assure them that, uh, I tried to be worthy of my paycheck every day that I was, uh, in uniform. But also, uh, I would be remiss if I didn't thank you for your service. Uh, David, I uh, know, I know it was stateside. I know it was, uh, uh, in the reserve component, but that, uh that's a vital part of our national defense.
1: Thank you, sir. And uh you know, it's uh become apparent now that there <laughs> there really is a place for the reservists as uh they have gone into active duty a lot in the Middle East and other places and um, so I I appreciate your your thoughtfulness and uh, um, and you know we we run an ad for the army but as I've said many many times in the past that the military is great for any and everybody and if you're coming out of high school and don't know what you want to do or if you graduated from college and don't know for sure what you do want to do. I guarantee anybody that no matter what your interest is, there is some branch of the military that can fulfill that interest and do a good job of it. And it may be in the reserves or it may be on active duty or, you know, it it just there's a place for you. And uh, maybe maybe you're you're like submarines and you don't even know it. Personally, I knew I didn't want any part of that <laughs> service. Someday. Oh, you never
2: gave it a try, David. I just,
1: uh, I, uh, I didn't see it being cooped up in that. And they've enlarged them considerably. And, uh, you know, they have, uh, all the finery of, uh, a, uh, big boat, but I still don't want to be underwater and particularly locked up for six months at a time or three months at a time or two minutes at a time that that would be about my extent but uh i like the stars and uh i never had a problem sleeping on the ground it always it wasn't too necessarily uh, too much of a cushion but we may do and uh and it wasn't so bad but you know, everybody that served has a, a place in my heart and many other people's heart. By the way, I want to mention the fact that uh, the uh, the uh, healing wall, or wall that heals, in Johns Creek, which is a fifty percent replica of the the walled Vietnam Veterans Wall or Vietnam Wall in Washington D.C had their ribbon-cutting ceremony and is officially open in Newtown Park in Johns Creek, and uh, you can go by there any time and look up names, do whatever you want to do, and, uh, well, within reason, and uh, it's it's a humbling thought, and I, uh, I've gone to it several times, and uh, have literally found a, a couple of high school friends that went into uh, graduated from high school with me and went into the military and and uh, gave the ultimate sacrifice. So, you know, if you have family or friends that uh, went to Vietnam and didn't make it back, well, you can go to the wall and find their names. And they're going to be improving on the way you can locate them very shortly so keep that in mind and uh, it's it's a great great thing that john's creek and uh, mike mazell is the uh, director of it and uh, mike's done a a wonderful job and uh, they uh, are officially open now so no matter where you're listening from if you come to the atlanta area Put the Wall that heals in Johns Creek, Georgia, in Newtown Park on your bucket list. So, and they uh, they have a in the park. They also have a uh, area called uh, the Afghanistan Memorial, and this is to uh, the folks that that uh, served in Afghanistan in the Middle East. At, some point or the other so all of those areas are available and uh, highly recommend you go into them so back to remembering desert shield and desert storm um uh, we have to remember it we have to remember all of our military and the wars and the different places they've served and um if you've served, maybe you didn't go in country, but if you served, you served.
2: Yeah, you know, and David, uh, I just like to mention that we're we're approaching this holiday season, and uh, it, you know it can it can be very stressful for uh, veterans, uh, especially some suffering uh, with dealing with the things they've seen and, and experienced uh, in during their military service and so um i just like to emphasize uh how important it is that, you know if if you have an opportunity to deal with a veteran um, just be very sensitive to the fact that uh that uh way too many of our veterans are uh, are committing suicide to- can, in dealing with them, if you can uh, just help them, but reach out to them, let them know.
1: many of the uh, service organizations and we also work with a group called Warriors to Citizens that they will help the veteran and there are many organizations that have properly and I want to emphasize that it, it can't just be anybody but these these people are professionally trained to help the person that is having a problem with PTSD or whatever it happens to be, and uh, many churches offer help, and uh, the important thing is just getting them help, and uh, like you said, uh, recognizing that somebody is, is having a problem, and I guess of, of all times, the holidays are the worst of the worst. And, uh, there have been so many marriages that have broken up and families that have broken up and, uh, uh, you know, it's just, it's a, it can be a very tough time. And, uh, the veteran served you and now maybe it's time that you serve the veteran. And, uh,
2: they are and out there. Don't, don't let these guys become casualties at home.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's a, depending on the situation, and it can be any situation, because that's the way it is. And the transition from soldiers back to citizen can be very difficult. And, uh, you know, there are, There are a lot of families that don't know how to deal with it. Not that they don't want to, they just don't know how. And uh, thank goodness there are a lot of professionals and professional organizations today that will step up. In fact, the VA, if somebody is having a problem, call the VA. They have a hotline for uh, those that are having problems. And... They will call you if you give them the name and number, and uh, they, uh, they're they doing everything they can to help the veteran. And I do salute that portion of them that are Thank stepping up. That, Dave. Pardon me?
2: Thank you for letting me add that.
1: Oh, no, it's uh, it is important. Uh, you're right, we're losing... Uh, Oh, I think that the number is ungodly. 240,000 just this year have taken their own lives. And I don't want to say there's no reason for it. Certainly there's a reason for it. But if we can get them help, maybe we can change that number drastically over the next couple of years. Uh, But it's, it's a, I had no idea it was that kind of a figure, but it is. And, uh, in many cases, the suicide rate is larger than the death rate in a conflict. And, uh, Thank you, thank you for bringing it up because that's something that has to be addressed, and uh, there can be all sorts of reasons for it. So, with that being said, oops, it's time to go, Phil. Thank you for joining us as always, and uh, we'll be back next week with more of Remembering Desert Storm and Desert Shield. Thank yes, you sir. for listening.